Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to the Profound Pickleball Podcast. My name is Stephen Ron, and I have a very, very cool guest with me today. He's a Georgia native, and he actually played football for the Ramblin' Wreck of Georgia Tech, and he has a fantastic YouTube channel, and he is an aspiring pickleball professional. So you may see this guy playing some big-time matches on TV in the, in the uh, fairly near future. We'll have to see, uh, but I hope he does that. Uh, so my guest today is Shay Underwood. Shay, how are you doing today? Hey, Stephen, doing great. Thanks for you so much for having me on the podcast today. Super oh, excited. Oh, man, it's my pleasure. My pleasure. We've, we've communicated a good bit outside of this. I've been watching your videos, uh, watching people uh, get clowned by your serve, especially. It's been <laughs> a lot of fun. Uh, <laughs> I got to see some of that serve not, not too long ago at Hammond. Yeah. And I don't think you were really hitting it at your best at that time because we were just kind of warming up. Right. I could tell it can do some real damage there. Yeah, it's just crazy how that's being, been evolving into a weapon over time. You know, it started with the chainsaw, the two-handed serve, and then now it's moved on to the one-handed kind of finger flick serve. And it's been a really cool evolution to just watch that and be a part of the innovation in the game. Yeah, I want to talk more about that, especially some of the rule changes involving that in just a little bit, if you don't mind. Sure. But one of the first questions I like to ask people is, how did you get into pickleball? Let, let's hear what your pickleball origin story is. Yeah, absolutely. So my pickleball origin story, it starts in my hometown, and my hometown is Hawassi, Georgia. I'm actually, I was born and raised in Young Harris, Georgia, and Hawassi is the neighboring city. They make up Towns County, and in Towns County, there is what I like to call a pickleball unicorn. It's I think 14 dedicated pickleball courts next to a beautiful lake and gorgeous mountain range. And it's just one of the kind of staples of Hawassee in the most recent years. So I was playing football at Georgia Tech. This was 2016, 2018. And I was realizing that my time at Georgia Tech was coming to a close and I wasn't going to quite make it to the NFL like I had aspired to do. So I got an invitation to come play pickleball by the local dentist. His name is Dr. Moss. And we went out there to play pickleball. And from the first time I hit up the courts, I uh, just heard the sound of the ball hitting the paddle. It was super satisfying. And then I started to realize that there's this whole like inner game to pickleball. There's, you know, my actions get to dictate what you do and what my partner does and what my opponents do. And I just fell in love with it. So going out there, playing that first time in Hawassi, and then I made it a point to go out there pretty much every morning and afternoon since then. And now here I am today, a couple of years later, and I'm waking up at 6.30 to go train pickleball, and I'm editing pickleball videos. And now I just got done with my work day, and I'm sitting on a pickleball podcast. Wow. How about that? So you say you've been playing a couple of years now, roughly? Yes, I have been playing since I would say it was probably late 2018. So approaching two years. And then I've really been working on it and grinding on it for the past year and three months or so. Mm -hmm. Now, the first time I remember playing against you was at Shaw Park uh, several months ago. Yeah. You came to Shaw. I don't remember who your partner was that day. But what I remember most, not only were you very good, but you were wearing a GoPro, I believe, around your chest. Do you remember that? <laughs> I do remember that. That's funny. So I got a GoPro for Christmas, and I thought it'd be really cool to do a GoPro point of view pickleball video. And so I did a couple of those. And what I found was that people really didn't like those because it made them sick from all the motion. I mean, I am, I'm moving around, I'm looking at all the different directions and 
to me, like when I'm watching it back, I understand my thought process. But when people watch that video, they like, all right, this dude is just crazy. He's like a chicken with his head cut off and it literally makes people sick. So I, I quickly scrapped that idea and moved on to a stationary camera. Yeah, I noticed that you have, I haven't seen any more of those in a while. But I did watch that and I kind of I really enjoyed it. But yeah, I could see how it could be a little bit unsettling because of all the movement involved there. But I do. I really like the concept of that, though. Yeah, it's an interesting idea. So I actually, I really love parkour. It's it's a funny thing, kind of like a, a dirty secret of mine, I guess you could say. I love watching videos of it. And there's this really cool scene where they do these POV, like parkour rooftop expeditions. And these guys, they hold the GoPro in their mouth and they're doing these roof gaps. And I thought that it would apply really well to pickleball, but I tried it and not quite as I expected. <laughs> yeah, just so, so, so many you know, short, quick movements back and forth, up and back. Um, yeah. but yeah, it, it's, 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 you know, that's one of the reasons I love pickleball is because the movement involved, Absolutely. Um, but I could see how that would get a little bit uh, chaotic, uh, trying to watch that kind of a video. Yeah. Um, okay. So tell me about, um, what other racket or paddle sports have you been involved in, in your life? My background is mostly football, soccer. So a lot of my legs have been involved in sports and never really so much my arms and upper body. I did have a ping pong table at my home back in Young Harris and my dad and I would work at that extensively. That was pretty much it, just some recreational ping pong in the backyard with my dad. And I did play racquetball a couple of times with the same guy who introduced me to pickleball, Dr. Moss, but nothing, nothing very serious. So it's, it's been mostly mostly ping pong and some football and soccer here and there. But I'll tell you that every single, uh, I'll tell you that pretty much my entire life, I've always had a ball sitting around me. So I'll be in my house on the couch with like a, a tennis ball in my hand or just some sort of ball and just kind of throwing it up in the air, spinning it on my finger. And I think that really helps build the hand-eye coordination and understand, you know, the different ways that I can manipulate the ball with my hands and arms and all of that just practice over the years that I didn't know what I was doing or what I was working towards has now made its way into my pickleball game. Right. But one of the things I find interesting about this sport is, is watching people who come from different backgrounds, how they play differently. Right. Like, for example, I, I could kind of tell you had not had a tennis background because you don't have the traditional long, big strokes that a lot of tennis players have, like, you know, mm -hmm. from the baseline and everything. Your game is a lot more compact. And I think that it may be maybe helping you because you haven't had, had to unlearn bad habits right that us tennis players have especially around the kitchen area yeah yeah I do get that a lot I think it is a double-edged sword right I don't have the bad habits like the long elegant swings to generate tons of top spin and um, there's a lot of things in tennis that don't necessarily correlate to pickleball but at the same time I missed all the stuff like positioning my overheads have been a huge weak point in my game because I don't have the years and years of overhead practice that a lot of tennis players have. And my hands at the net, my, my fast hands, my quick hands uh, and volleys were actually pretty slow to begin with. And I think that's something that tennis players work at pretty extensively as well. But you're totally right. There's a lot of, a lot of bad habits that I didn't carry into this game because I didn't have that previous experience. So I was kind of a blank slate and I was lucky enough to have people around me that were able to mold me into the player I am today and continue to help me grow in, in this in this endeavor. Well, I will say that from the first time I remember seeing you play at Shaw and then the last time that we played, you know, a few weeks ago at Hammond, I saw a different player. I saw a player who's really matured in his game. 
And I'm only looking for better and better things out of your game, man. Seriously. Yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, I've, I've been putting the time and I actually made a promise to myself a few months ago that I would not play any tournaments again until I'm at least a 5.0 or pro level player. And I'm actually um, coming up on that deadline soon, which is my birthday, February 6th of 2022. That was kind of my cutoff. So between then and my birthday, my, my whole goal and my ambition is to just train and drill as much as possible. And then, you know, just leave no doubt and try to become the best player I can possibly be. And, and sure enough, that's yielded, you know, pretty substantial progress every time. Outstanding. Outstanding. Well, if you don't mind, let's shift gears a little bit. I want to talk about your YouTube channel because your YouTube channel is one of the delights of the internet for me. I'll tell you, I get a little, I get an, I've subscribed and I've got a notification every time you post a new video. I don't always get to watch it, you know, that day or day after, but talk a little bit about, about YouTube and your channel and the kind of things that someone can see on your channel. Okay. Yeah. My YouTube channel, you can find it on YouTube just by typing in Shea Underwood, S-H-E-A Underwood, or like Shea Pickleball or something. It's actually titled Shea Underwood Road to Pro. And I think that pretty much sums up the content you can find there. It's it's my journey from becoming this player who's found this new game and wearing a GoPro on his chest to becoming a pro player. And I'm making tons of different content. Most recently, I dropped a video where I was explaining a, a recent rule change or it's not actually a rule change yet, which a ton of people think it is. I think we'll talk about that later, but you'll find highlights on there. I play in a couple of different leagues and I document my progress on that. I've actually posted some instructional videos on how to do particular serves. And it really is just my canvas to create kind of whatever I want to and put it out there in the world. Um, that's kind of what you can expect to find. I actually recently started a new endeavor with a couple of friends of mine, uh, a guy named John Riley, who's a great video productionist and or a great video producer, rather. He's starting to get into pickleball and as well as my friend Illa, who is a pro pickleball player. We've started this YouTube channel called the Pickleball Mafia and are now producing pickleball content there. That's just, I mean, it's unlike anything that I'm sure you'll find anywhere else on the internet. It's top tier editing and you know, trying to bring some more modern day spice into this pickleball pickleball game. Yeah, you sent me the link earlier to the the paddle review that you guys did, um, and so I, I clicked on that and watched that, and I subscribed obviously to that as well. Nice. Yeah, I can tell the production values are really sick on that thing. That's that's like really good stuff. Yeah, it's you know it's really a novelty pickleball content like that. Going into those videos and a lot of my videos. We're sitting down hours and hours beforehand thinking about what we're going to say, how we're going to take the shots. We have an entire shot list of, you know, this shot will look well at this moment in the video. This is the story we want to tell. And it's it's a nice change from your typical overhead view of or bird's eye view of pickleball that people are just digging back and forth for six minutes while people are talking over it. Um, I think there's a lot of a lot of progress to still be made in that space. And I'm really excited to see what comes out of it. Oh, well, me too. Me too. Um, now, you mentioned, um, we talked a little bit about the serve earlier and also the rule change. So yeah. what I know about it, a lot of it came from your video because I, you explained the process very well about the different committees that are involved, the different people who vote and then mm -hmm. language gets involved. And so, um, and, it, and specifically what you were referring to is a change in the allowing of what we call the chainsaw serve. Now I'm going to let you explain what that is and also a little bit more about this rules change process. Yeah, so some, some context on just pickleball serves in general. Generally, you serve from one side to the other side in, in a diagonal way 
um, and you serve underhanded. And typically you just take the ball out of your non-dominant hand and you toss it up or you drop it and then you hit the ball. But recently there's been some developments in the game from pros like Morgan Evans and Zane Navratil, and they're putting a ton of spin on the ball before they ever hit it. And this allows the ball to, whenever it hits the ground, it, it kicks super hard. So you think it's flying at you straight, you're ready to hit a shot, and then the ball just skips away from you or skips into your body. And this is called the chainsaw serve when you're using two hands because it mimics the motion of like starting a chainsaw or starting a weed eater or something like that. The problem with the chainsaw serve is it's very easy to disguise which way you're spinning the ball. So you'll see a lot of players... Uh, will purposefully hide the ball and they, you don't know if they're spinning it to the left or spinning it to the right. And because of this, a lot of players are actually seeing some injuries and, and um, like they're guessing it's going to go one way and then it kicks the other way and then it'll literally hurt them. So Morgan Evans calls it, I think the ACL breaker or ACL tear or something like that. And I mean, it's very true. You see these, these people that are, I mean, really professional athletes in the pickleball space and they're, trying to return a serve and ending up on the ground because they don't know which way the ball is going to kick. So because of that, the um, there's been a rule proposal submitted that will disallow that kind of chainsaw spin motion before the serve. And the initial proposal said that we should now just hold the ball in the palm of our hand and toss it straight up and then hit the ball. So you can't impart any spin on it. But then there's some um, processes that this rule proposal goes through. It goes to two different committees. One of them is the International Federation of Pickleball, and they control their, their, their title is the world's governing body of pickleball. So they promote pickleball over the world, and they get to look at the rule. And they said that instead of two hands, um, instead of holding it in the palm of your hand, we can allow you to spin the ball still, but you must use one hand. And then that was sent to USA Pickleball, and they determined that, okay, yeah, we can use one hand, but also the spin you impart on the ball must be super visible. So now you can only use one hand to throw up the ball. It must be very clearly visible. If it's not visible, then we will replay the point. Uh, and so people have seen that document. They're like, okay, yeah, this is the new rule. But what they don't realize is that actually on October 28th, that, that rule proposal and then the rule suggestions and recommendations from the IFP and USA Pickleball we actually go to a third group of people who are the USA Pickleball Board of Directors. I know it's very convoluted and I had a ton of fun researching all of this, as I'm sure you can tell, um, but they're actually the ones that decide what the final rule is. So really today, nobody has any clue what the rule will actually be, but we kind of think it's gonna be a one-handed spin serve. will still be allowed in the near future. Right, so the video that you did was only about what, five or six minutes on that? Yes. But it's one of those that because it was so detailed, it felt like a longer video yeah. because you were showing all the verbiage and everything. And I did pause it several times to read the exact verbiage, you know, that was on the screen there. But you did a great job explaining the process. I, I, I sort of knew a little bit about that process. And I did know that the executive committee, whatever that final committee had not yet voted. Because some people were telling me, oh, they outlawed the chainsaw serve. You can't do it anymore. Like, well, no, that's not going to be the case, at least until next year when it would go into effect. Right. I do know that much that rule changes go into effect typically in January. Uh, like I remember this past year with the drop serve. Remember that was all the rage was the drop serve. Yeah. And it was a certain date in January when it would become legal. Yeah. Um, and I remember at Shaw, some of us were practicing it early kind of to kind of get ready for it. And the drop serve really hasn't made a big difference in my opinion. 
at least around people I play with. But I do remember that drop serve was the thing last year. Now, I guess the new change. So I think what you're getting at is the Morgan Evans serve. Is that right? That's, that's his name, right? Yeah, Morgan Evans. Morgan Evans serve. He kind of holds the ball out in front, right? Where people can see how he's spinning it. Is that correct? Do, am I getting that wrong or not? Yeah, it's the difference between him and Zane Navratil is his he's holding the ball. Morgan Evans is holding the ball with his left hand and it's directly kind of in front of his body. And it's very clear to see like what kind of spin he's putting on it. Uh, with his serve in particular, he snaps his fingers and that creates a spin that goes directly away from his body. So if he faces to the left and then he spins the ball, snaps his fingers, the ball spins super fast to the left. So whenever he serves the ball, it hits the ground and then skips to the left. With Zane's serve, the chainsaw serve, from the exact same hand position, he can spin the ball forward to the left or he can spin the ball backwards to the right. And the serve that I invented, which is the kind of one-handed finger flick, it's got its origins from cricket. With that serve, you can also spin the ball to the left or to the right, but it's much more clear which way you're spinning the ball. Mm -hmm. So people on the receiving end of it should be able to tell which way the ball will kick if they're paying attention. Right. I was trying to figure that out at Hammond that day, and I think I could most of the time I could see which way you were spinning it with your fingers. Yeah. But even though you were doing that, even though I thought it's going to bounce this way, that doesn't mean that I could return it easily because right. it still had good action on it. Yeah. And and that that kind of brings me to this next. I, I just sort of thought about asking you this. There is the mentality in our game that the serve should never be used as an offensive weapon. Now, I'll tell you why. I'll go on the record as saying I do not agree with that assessment at all. I do think that I, I like the innovation that's happened with the serve. Um, so I'm not really a big fan of changing these rules, but um, anyway, so if you want to offer any thoughts about that, you're welcome to do that, or you can stay steer clear of it. I'll let you decide. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely a hot topic, and I'm not sure there's a right answer to that. My personal opinion is I don't think you should limit the innovation of the game. If there is a new skill like the Ernie or the ATP, which is around the post, I don't know if you want to talk about what the Ernie is or not, but well, ATP. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We'll talk about that in a minute, but the okay. ATP and then also the spin serves, like if there's anything that raises the ceiling, the skill ceiling, so the maximum best you could possibly be at this game, I think you should totally allow it. Uh, but at the same time, I understand that this game, pickleball, is mostly played by seniors. Uh, I would say that the majority of people that are playing this game were above the age of 60, maybe even 70. I mean, there's, it's it's kind of uh, skewed in, in the age distribution of the game. And a lot of times it really is kind of dangerous to return a serve like that. And I have heard proposals that maybe like spin serve should be allowed in certain age brackets and not in other age brackets. And I think that's a very real possibility moving forward. Um, but yeah. I mean, there's always going to be the traditional list that think that this game should kind of stay the way it is and we should respect the spirit of it being a rally based game and not a serve and return based game. But, you know, I, I think as, as more youth comes into the game and as more really, really athletic people come into the game, we'll see innovations that, I mean, you and I can't even think of at the moment. I'm already trying to think about like, you know, I'm expecting this spin to be banned at some point. I'm already trying to think about like, what's next? How do I, how do I keep acing people on my serve, you know, three years from now when I can't spin the ball anymore. So there'll be innovation. We'll keep seeing it. And, you know, I'm just excited to be a part of it. 
Yeah, yes. Yeah. So, so very good. Now, so you, you mentioned the Ernie. Now, for those people who don't know the Ernie, and by the way, the spelling of Ernie gets people in trouble because it's actually E-R-N-E, right? It's not right. E-R-N-I-E, yeah. and it, but it is named after a guy named Ernie Perry. Yep. Um, so tell us what an Ernie is in pickleball. Yeah, I actually just saw the video. I don't know if you've seen this as well, but there is a video. I forgot who made it, but Ernie Perry is there showing how Steve to do Peronto, the Ernie. Peronto, I believe. Steve Peronto, is that the guy? Oh, okay. Maybe, yeah. I saw one on YouTube. He has a doing... his house. Is that the one you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. So I was doing research and I saw a guy. Um, I was doing research for my last video and I saw a guy on the, I think the USAP rules committee. His name was like Ernie Medina. And I was like, oh, that's that's Ernie. That's the guy. And then I looked him up and it was not the same Ernie. But yeah. So the Ernie is a way, uh, I mean, it's kind of tough to describe without having visuals behind it, right. <laughs> but in pickleball for anybody that's kind of new to the sport, there's this area called the kitchen, otherwise known as the non-volley zone. And essentially you cannot be in this area and take a ball out of the air. You must let it bounce first. So the Ernie is a way of, of kind of exploring the boundaries of what's possible around this kitchen non-volley zone area. You'll see it a lot in pro-level play. It's when somebody is standing behind the kitchen, they're in a perfectly legal position, and they'll actually hop over the kitchen to the edge of the court and take a ball out of the air as it's passing the net. So typically, when you're standing behind the kitchen, you cannot reach the net with your paddle. But if you hop the corner, hop to the side of the court, then you can reach the net with your paddle and take balls out of the air. Um, and I don't know when Ernie started doing this, but I don't think it was terribly long ago. And it's kind of the one of the newer innovations of pickleball that's, from what I know, has recently seen a, a big uptick. I know Jay DeVillier does it so much. Deckel Barr does it so much. These are two pros on the pro scene right now. And I've started doing it in my own game. And it really is an incredibly useful shot if you do it at the right time. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, well, re I did some research on it myself at one point. And when he first started doing it, people hadn't seen him do it. And they were wondering, should it be made illegal? Right. Because it was such a, a, a radical departure from what people were doing. You know, people thought, well, we should maybe make the kitchen extend, you know, outside of the actual boundaries. So you can't do that. But they didn't do it. And so um, Ernie still you know, plays uh, pickleball. Um, and so he's got a shot named after him. And I'm glad they didn't make that illegal because it's, yeah. it's, it's added a lot. Really There's happened. a really funny thing from that video. He said that whenever he's in rec play and somebody hits an Ernie, He's like, is that shot legal? Like, yeah. You can do that? <laughs> he pretends he doesn't know what it is. I think that's hilarious. Yeah. Very, very humble. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff there. Okay, so uh, let's see. So the, the rule change, like I said, we don't know exactly the kind of re reset the whole or recap the rule change scenario. It looks like what we're, we think is going to happen would be that the chainsaw serve would be made illegal. But the spin serve with the opposite hand would be made legal as long as the opponents are able to see the ball when you are doing the spin. Is that correct? Is that yep, what we think? I, think, I think you summed it up pretty well. Yeah. Okay. Because I saw another video um, showing one of Zane's serves, but it wasn't the chainsaw. It was a serve he was doing where he had the ball almost behind his back. Yeah. Um, and the opponents, you couldn't see what he was doing. And so the point was being made that that kind of serve would also not be legal if it's, if in other words, holding the ball out in front of you like Morgan does would remain legal, I guess, is the thing. Yeah, exactly. So just like in ping pong, how you have to clearly show the ball before you toss it up. 
it's it's going to be the same thing. You got to clearly see the spin and part on the ball in order for it to be a legal serve. And if not, then people will request a, a replay of the point. And that's interesting because, you know, from the games that I've been a part of, the aces I get are typically done or typically happen when people guess the spin wrong. So they think it's spinning left, but it's spinning right. And I can totally see people now, if they get get it wrong and they guess the wrong way, they'll just say, oh, I couldn't see the spin and we'll have to replay the point. So I'm interested to see what the final verbiage and language of this rule change is, but there really is a potential there for it to be kind of misused um, and not used as intended for sure. Let's see. I, yeah, I see that to me as like a a, a, a a dirty trick, because if I see you spin the ball or put this way, if I'm able to see how you spin the ball, but maybe I'm just not paying attention and I yeah. guess wrong, I don't think I should get another chance at that. Does that make sense? Oh, no, I totally agree. I mean, but I think that's what we're going to see. I think people are going to try to get away with that or say, well, I, I couldn't see you spin it or what. But if you hold it out in front, there's there's no way they should be able to tell you they couldn't see it. Right. Yeah, and holding the ball I, out in front, it's not like you're trying to hide it around your, your back or something, right? Yeah, exactly. I, I, uh, I've, I've noticed in my, so the way I do it is I hold the ball in my left hand and I bring my right hand up to position it properly in my fingers. And in that motion, a lot of the times my paddle is hiding it. And I sometimes do it a little bit too fast where I don't bring my paddle away fast enough before I flick it. So people really do, they're not able to see the ball which way I flick it. And that's totally understandable. The best way I've seen to combat it recently is whenever you're returning, if you're about to return my serve, have your partner watch me and relay to you which way it's going to spin. Uh, that's been super effective and really frustrating for me because now I can't, I can't, uh, I can't fool you on which way I'm serving the ball because your partner's on top of it. Yeah. Well, you know, we, we adapt to these changes as best we can, right? To, to, Absolutely. To get advantages and nullify advantages. But to me, that's 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 an intriguing part of the game, though. And you've played team sports, so, you know, you rely on your teammates, you know. Um, yeah. It's a big thing of this. So. Yeah, there's a – when I was playing football at Georgia Tech, a phrase I recent, or I frequently heard, rather, was athletes adjust. You know, there's a lot of times in the game, things don't go your way, but you're an athlete, you adjust, you figure it out, and you keep playing, you move forward. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so I think we've talked a good bit about the serve and everything. Now, do you have any other things you want to sort of promote that you're doing besides your YouTube channel or anything else like that? I think that's pretty much the two biggest things is my personal YouTube channel and then Pickleball Mafia. I'll tell you that I've recently had kind of a frame or a change in the way that I think about things just in general. I make decisions. Um, I've been asking myself, so how do I say this? Um, whenever I'm like, at the grocery store and I want to buy a piece of candy, I run it through these two filters. I say, does this piece of candy help me become the best pickleball player possible? Or does this piece of candy help me make the best YouTube videos possible? And <laughs> if it doesn't, not part of my life, it's out of here. Uh, so that's been really cool. Just seeing how being a part of pickleball and being a part of YouTube, it's really changed my life for the better. I mean, there's so many opportunities, so many people I've met. I'm just super thankful to be a part of this community and, and I'm trying to give back as much as possible. Um, one thing that I've been really wanting to do is in my YouTube videos, start giving away stuff to people. I had one where I gave away a couple of paddles and man, the people I gave those away to, they were just so thankful for it. And, it. and it made me feel so good just being able to give back to the community. And I'm looking to actually, um, Catherine 
Catherine, who was your maybe most recent guest, mm -hmm. we recorded a video a couple of days ago. Uh, it was going to be a charity video where we did a couple different challenges. And then every time I failed, I was giving away $100 to a charity, uh, which I thought was such a cool idea, but it didn't turn out. The, the video quality wasn't where I wanted it to be. So we're going to refilm that one. But I think, yeah, just be on the lookout for that. Those challenge videos, there's going to be plenty of opportunity for you to get free swag. And I'm going to be partnering up with different brands to give away cool stuff. And really, I just want to give back to the community. That's awesome. And, and speaking of brands, I, I believe you're a Selkirk guy. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm a Selkirk advocate. And so yeah. which, which, which model are you currently using? I use the Selkirk Invicta and I use the Vanguard model. Mm -hmm. So the Invicta, it has a slightly elongated paddle face. So I get more whip on my serves and on my drives. And it was one of the first paddles I felt I was using it and I could kind of feel the ball whenever I hit it, if that makes any sense. So Absolutely. like when I'm dinking or when I'm hitting a third shot drop, I actually feel like I can shape the ball and have control over where it goes uh, versus just hitting it with a with a paddle yeah so the the invicta selkirk invicta vanguard invicta is the paddle face it's the shape of it and then another another one i really like from them is the mock six i recommend that to a lot of tennis players because it has a longer handle mm -hmm. and people that come from a tennis background sometimes have a two-handed backhand and that longer handle people love it so yeah so those are my two kind of go-to paddles Outstanding. Okay. Got one more question for you. Okay. Yeah, let's hear it. Final question. And this is a question that some people answer, you know, very quickly. Other people won't elaborate. So this is totally your call. How you want to answer this question. If you could pick one thing that is the best part of pickleball, what would you identify that as that you like most about the game? Can you even do that? Some people can't do it. If you can't, that's okay. But yeah, I mean, I, I totally can. I'm thinking of I've got five different things in my head right now. I'm trying to decide. Well, you know, you can list your top five. If you'd rather okay. list your top five, that's okay. Yeah. So the first thing that came to my head, I love that after every single point, you can look around and somebody on the court smiling. I, I rarely see a point, maybe if somebody got hit with the ball, that people are kind of concerned. But generally, people are laughing. Literally, in the point, if we have like a really long rally, it's just a matter of time before somebody starts cracking up and laughing. And just the just how happy people are playing this game, that really makes me happy seeing that and being a part of it. I think that's incredible. The second thing that I love the most is just the opportunities that have came from this game. So I'm just a very social person in general. I love networking and talking to people. And, you know, being a fresh college grad, I don't have a lot of opportunities to speak to people who are well-developed in their career and um, like people like you, like, I, I don't know how much the people on your podcast know about you, but you're a professor, right? Yes. I teach at Kennesaw State. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how, how often does this happen where I go to a different college than, than you're from and we end up talking about a sport like that just doesn't happen that often. And having those kind of relationships, being able to be uh, cultivated from a, from a game. I mean, that's incredible. Just the other day, I, so I have this kind of um, goal or aspiration to become a pilot one day and through pickleball I was able to meet a guy who flies his plane to the pickleball courts in the morning and then gets out and plays pickleball and so me and him have started flying together and now I've had the opportunity to fly a plane with him and that's just been so cool man like wow. there's no other way I could have ever had that experience without being a part of this game and just being surrounded by incredible people like you so 
yeah, just the people, man. I, I really appreciate all the people that are around me and support me and I just want to continue to see this sport grow and be an advocate for it. Well, that's fantastic, man. That, that's, that's great stuff. Well, Shay, uh, I want to thank you for coming on today. This has been fantastic. I think people are really going to enjoy hearing you talk about your background and all the, the serving things that, that, that you've been involved in and your YouTube channel. I mean, you, you should, I hope you get a boost from this. I don't know how many people you'll get out of this, but um, this is great stuff. So I want to say thank you very much for coming today and I uh, hope to see you out on the court sometime soon. Okay. Yeah. Hey, I, I want to say one more thing sure. too about what you just said. Um, anybody that wants to make content with me or do stuff together, I'm totally open to it. I know a lot of people in the space are kind of, um, they, they don't want to join up and do partnerships together, but man, like this is the kind of stuff that's really going to grow the sport. Like now your entire community and my community, they're going to know each other and it's just going to have a compounding effect over time. So don't be afraid to reach out and, and do cool stuff like this together. Uh, also, I see your Atlanta Braves hat. I want to say go Braves before we hang out for, uh, in the call here. So yeah. Yeah. Steven, appreciate you having me on man, and hope you have a great day. All right. You too, man. Thanks. All right. See ya.